believers are suffering and because the perception of the uh, Islamic regime is that uh, Christians are one of the threat groups, the level of persecution has been rising. Across the world today, millions of Christians are persecuted. They face oppression, imprisonment, displacement and even death simply because of their faith in Jesus Christ. These courageous believers are our brothers and sisters. We are in this together with them and we need to hear their voice. Join host Kenneth as we discover their stories today on Release International's Voice podcast. Iran is a country with a long history, going back into the Old Testament. Oppression, frustration and a lack of hope have characterised life for many of its citizens since the establishment of an Islamic Republic in 1979. Christians, particularly those from a Farsi Persian background, have faced persecution for their faith. In this edition of Release International's Voice podcast, we speak to Simon from Transform Iran about life in that country and about how God has been at work, even as his people have suffered. Simon, welcome to this edition of Release International's Voice podcast. Hello, Kenneth, and thank you very much for, for having me. It's good to join you. It's great to chat with you. Uh, Simon, you work uh, and serve with the Christian ministry Transform Iran. I guess the name itself gives us some idea of what the focus is. But at the outset, can you tell us just a little bit about the work that this ministry does? Yes, well, I think probably the easiest thing I go back to the start with Larissa's and Maggie Yeknazar they um, emerged or came out of uh, Iran in the late 1980s and this this ministry emerged as they they came out and they they looked to start serving other Iranians um, and to disciple them to train them and a ministry emerged from that with a uh, with a with a sense of need and they, they felt called to uh, call it, as it was then, 222 Ministries. And that, that was, as it were, our first first name. And the, that comes from 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. And it says, And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. It's about building up individuals and churches. It's about sharing the gospel, about um, apologetics, discipling, baptising people training them, planting churches, just build, building, building the church. And this, out of this then comes other uh, aspects of our ministry, which uh, we run an online church, a Persian community church, is a digital church, uh, which reaches some 20,000 uh, a month. We do Bible translation into a variety of Iran-related languages. We have ministry into Afghanistan. So th th there's quite a range of things that have emerged from when, when we first started. Thanks so much for that, Simon. That's great to hear. It's always exciting to hear about kingdom work, gospel work that uh, different people are involved in. Um, so can we turn now to the general situation in Iran at present? Over the past year, two years, I guess, as perhaps many listeners will be aware, we've seen on our national news, we've read in our national newspapers, Reports of civil unrest, protests and the like taking place in Iran. 
Can you perhaps explain that a bit for us or sum up for us what's been going on there? What's been at the heart of all that? What have been the issues in Iran? Well, Kenneth, um, I think one of the things I first need to do very, very briefly, just step back a little bit in in history to to help provide the context some context to to what is happening now. So back in 1979 was the creation of what is now called the Islamic Republic of Iran. And this is a theocracy that is based on Shia Islam. And so it's been running for some 44 years. And what we've seen emerge in in this time and in in Iran now, there's some 60% of the population of about 88 million are under the age of 30. It's a very young population who are there. A lot of them are very highly educated, university education. And despite the fact they've not known anything else, they are deeply frustrated. They they are ruled by an elite which... Internally, within Iran, it just expresses corruption in terms of the way they behave. It ignores the needs of the ordinary people. There is very high high levels of unemployment. Um, and what they've created with this Islamic Republic is they've been trying to create what is you might call a monoculture. Um, it's a culture based on Farsi, based on Shia Islam, and they've just brought this sort of single-minded perspective. Uh, whereas actually, Iran is more like a, you could almost liken it to a basket of fruit. It's, it's, it's a country which has got 61 different language groups in it, and which is quite an astonishing for, the, for, for that sort of number. And there's only actually about 45% of the population who would speak Farsi, the Persian language. So this whole perception of Iran and Iranians as being, as it were, one um, single group is is not actually quite the, the 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 real picture okay in the last year in particular there have been one or two sort of overt protests haven't there on the streets we've been seeing them on on tv programs and so on um has, has there been any single issues that have prompted that or is that simply just the sort of the accumulation of this sort of frustration that you speak of i i think I would say it's it's an accumulation more than and what we've got is essentially the 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 pot is is got to such a heat that it is now boiling over, but there's a lot of different ingredients in that pot. This whole this issue cuts across so many different areas of Iranian society. It is it is quite astonishing. I, I've given you different groups with this young people who are not who are unemployed, who are poor and. Unemployment is particularly high among, amongst young, young people. And what you've got is a regime which has got presenting no answers, they're presenting no solutions, they're not answering the questions that people are asking. And this is, this is why this, continue, this issue is continuing at the moment. You've got this deep, deep sense of frustration and anger that, it, that, that, peop, that people are feeling. Um, and... The regime's just hoping it's going to go away if they shoot enough people, if they if they oppress enough people, if they just wait enough time, it'll just disappear. And the answer is it won't. Uh, one one statement that was made, you know, sort of why do young people go on the streets to risk death? And the the statement came back, we're dead already. As far as they're concerned, they got there's nothing to live for unless it changes. 
Okay, well, thanks, Simon, for, for setting the scene, as it were, there, painting the picture of, of, of life in Iran generally. Now, now, given all that you've just described, can I ask how all of this has impacted on the Christian community in Iran? In other words, has the general mood in the country that you've been describing, the various protests that you've touched on, has that made things harder or easier for Christians? Well, Kenneth, I'm, what I think I, I need to, I'm afraid, wind the clock back a little bit again. <laughs> what we had then in, in the 19th century was a gradual uh, arrival of missionaries from the West. Um, and with it, so you see some, some impact, you see a translation of the Bible, but you then fast forward into the 1979 revolution. And by that time, missionaries would say there was probably no more than 400, possibly le- probably less than that, people who had come from a Muslim background who were Christians. And we then fast forward to 2020 and a survey done by an, a university in, in, in Europe. And their, their survey estimates that there are probably more than one million believers in Iran today. And so that this is quite an astonishing thing to have happened under the oversight, as it were, <laughs> under the, uh, during the time of the Islamic regime. It's, it, it seems quite an irony, but, and, and, but it is a demonstration of God's grace for the Iranian people and, and their extraordinary receptivity to the gospel. And throughout this time, the, the Islamic authorities have identified that Christianity is a threat to its own existence. And this is why there is such levels of persecution. They, they see what the Christian message as a challenge to their authority. And therefore, they carry out the harassment, they could, detentions, imprisonment, and even, even uh, torture and, and uh, executions that, that, that have taken, taken place. The protests have not improved life for anyone. I mean, we, we need to be clear about that. So in a sense, there's nothing special about being a Christian. But believers are suffering, and because the perception of the uh, Islamic regime is that uh, Christians are one of the threat groups, the level of persecution has been rising. Thanks so much for that. And you you touched there, obviously, on the persecution that's uh, experienced by Christians in Iran. So let's just think about that for a moment. Can you sum up generally then what what life is like for Christians in that country, both those who are from from some of the ethnic minorities and those who have come to faith in Christ uh, from that Persian Muslim majority background? There's the perspective of oppression and suffering, which we, uh, there's an awful lot of focus that's put on. Um, but alongside it and parallel with it is also hope. Um, the hope in who, we, who we're representing, as it were, in who, who we're part of, the hope in Christ. And we, we, we have a hope that is beyond any, any, any suffering. And I think that that is something that is felt sort of in, in across the board by the church, I think, in, inside Iran. Because they've come from a sense of hopelessness in looking at the situation they're in. And yes, they feel, yes, they are feel, feel the challenge. They've just living life, nor, ordinary life is, is a challenge. 
living life as a Christian becomes more of a challenge because of the persecution and having to um, be part part of the underground or the house church. Um, But the gospel has brought transformation to their lives. They have good news. So there's, there's always that balance in the persecuted church. And sometimes their expression of the good news is so much more than than we can understand who, who don't experience that. We're speaking with Simon from Transform Iran. We've heard him explain the frustration and lack of hope that characterises life for many in Iran. We've also heard him speak of the growth of the Christian church since 1979, despite the opposition that Christians continue to face. Continue listening as he speaks about the recent earthquake in Turkey and how that has impacted Iranian Christians living there, and also about how he sees the future for Christians inside Iran. One of the world stories, of course, in the past month has been the devastating earthquake uh, that has hit southern Turkey and northern Syria. Now, you have, I believe, or your organisation has um, some contact with Christians in that region, Christians who I understand are are from Iran. I know some of them are from Afghanistan as well. So can you tell us how they have been impacted by the situation there? And have you as an organisation been able to support them in any way? We have churches in 16 cities, so they they are part of what we call two 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 churches that's our former name they they retain that that name so they're they're part of our family and uh in in 16 cities in in turkey now most of those cities are not affected by this and we are very thankful that we've not had any reports of any injuries or or, or fatalities amongst our our people but th- this was a, a, on the 6th of February in the earthquake in Gaziantep and the second one just a little bit further north had a massive impact. So 250 kilometres away in the city of Kayseri, there's our, our people were having to evacuate their homes and evacuate the church into open areas, into um, safe buildings because the the earthquake had impacted them and caused damage to the buildings that far away and and also in I'm, it's pretty much the same distance in Mersin and that, those are two cities where, where where we have churches um we've got some people a little bit further forward but not as far as as Gaziantep so uh, which is why we're able to say why they haven't been been affected but even yesterday we had this third major tremor uh, in the Hatay region, and that's an area that we we're looking to try and uh, try and help. Now, our people have oh, have been out overnight in in Kaisley and Mersin. They've been on the uh, been in uh, in a park under uh, under sort of temporary tents, and uh, the conditions are very cold there at the moment. And last week it was minus fourteen. It's a little bit warmer this week, but it's still round about the freezing freezing point and so th- the church in Mersin is re- in the process of trying to recover itself trying to see the, if their buildings are, are going to be safe but they're already planning to try and help people further forward as it were in in Hatay province which is the one that was affected last night but 
but even before that, from the first earthquakes, the um, Antakya, which is the modern name for the 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 biblical uh, name city of Antioch, um, that area had seventy percent of the buildings destroyed um, from the from the fir- first earthquake, and so there's been and that's been the focus of this other tremor where there's been more damage, and so we're looking to try and help our church to be able to go and deliver um, and minister into the into the these areas and bring bring help but in the longer term we we see another issue um in in terms of impact because so many many buildings have been damaged um and I, i i i don't can't quote quote the numbers but there is going to be a massive problem with accommodation and this is going to be an ongoing problem and refugees such as our Iranians may become um, may lose accommodation because there are others around who, who may may take it over because of the shortages so that, that, that they're going to come so this is this is not only a short term and an immediate problem in trying to rescue people and try and give some food and that, that sort of thing for now this is potentially a very long-term problem Thanks for that. Well, it's good to hear that there are Christians that you have contact with on the ground who are seeking to to minister to others, to show the the love of God, as it were, in that terrible situation that obviously has, as I say, it's it's, uh, been a major item on our news programmes, hasn't it, for the past few weeks. Um, We've heard you describe something of the work of Transform Iran, and we've talked about the current climate in Iran generally. We know that Christians, and particularly perhaps those from a Persian background, continue to suffer for their faith and for their witness to the gospel in Iran. But can I ask you, how do you see things developing in Iran in the years ahead, as far as the impact of uh, Christianity is concerned? Well, Kenneth, I I, I gave the the background and the historical background uh, uh, earlier, because I think I think part of the the answer comes from the, the fact that you know God God has promises that He places over people and and situations, but He doesn't forget, and He has had his, He's had His hand on the nation of Persia, and you go back into the in, into the Old Testament and you read the stories of uh, of, of the, uh, the the Persian kings. You, you could. Um, pick up many stories there of God's impact you can pick up in Acts 2 the impact of the Holy Spirit coming down on on the peoples coming on peoples coming from um, from Persia Parthians Medes and Elamites and then as I say the church the significance of the church in that area in the first millennium and it seems like it's almost it's been forgotten and people say well why why would God suddenly turn up in in Iran well I I, I believe that God does not forget <laughs> And I believe that's demonstrated. And I, you know, as I said, with the the testimony of what has been happening in Iran since 1979, that we've seen a consistent, steady flow of people responding to the gospel. Now we we believe that uh, that God is in the business of trans, uh, wanting to transform Iran. We believe He's put a call on the on this nation, and our business is to be try and get ourselves do our best to be ready to respond so that we can go back and see the nation changed and for people to be transformed 
That's great. Well, we we continue to pray that that will uh, will continue to progress. So so on that point, finally, Simon, how how would you want us? How would you want listeners to this podcast? How would you want them to be praying, praying for the work of Transform Iran? How would you want them to be praying for Christians in Iran at this time, Christians who continue to suffer for their faith in Christ? I'll ask in in our terms, I would ask if you would pray for our teams in to serve to serve their, this this nation. We've got, and as I said, next month we've got a hundred, few hundred thousand Iranians who are due to come in because it's the um, the holiday of Nowruz, and they travel as tourists from Iran, and we have the opportunity to meet with them and share share the gospel. So to pray pray for that, to pray pray for our teams on the ground for the for our teams who are ministering in all, all the different areas that I, that I mentioned earlier, um, whether it's serving in a humanitarian way, whether they're discipling people, they're broadcasting um, God's word into, into Iran. Um, we'd also just pray for God's direction and that is we would hear, hear and follow his wisdom and his plan for, for what he wants us to do for what he wants to happen um we that 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 has got to be a key thing to that that we that we we need to do but just more generally in terms of iran we need to pray for the church we need to pray for believers we need to pray for those who who are already believers that they would be able to grow in faith they're they're living in a uh in, in in a country where it's difficult to to um to grow because they there are fewer resources available to them so we they really need need our prayers as a young church to be able to grow and and, and develop develop we want to pray for iran the nation to be transformed that it would know um it would know god's freedom it would know uh, release from the oppression that is that it is suffering Well, that's great. Simon, once again, thank you for taking the time to speak to us on this edition of Release International's Voice podcast. Thank you, Kenneth. And uh, uh, thank you so much for the the privilege of being able to share a little bit about what we're doing. Our sovereign God continues to build his church. He does so even in the face of opposition that his people face when they make a faithful witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. Iran is no exception. God has been building his church, as we've heard, even in the face of oppression and persecution. We pray he will continue to do so. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of The Voice Podcast. Please do subscribe through your favourite podcast app so you can stay connected to the voice of persecuted Christians. We'd love to hear your feedback on the podcast too, so please do share your comments with us. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn and YouTube. And if you don't already receive our free quarterly magazine or prayer alert emails, then you can subscribe on our website at releaseinternational.org forward slash podcast. 
Remember those who are in prison as if you were in there together with them, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Do not abandon them, 